In this episode of the podcast, it's all about Wonderful Machine. This is Twitter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johns, and today I'm speaking with Wonderful Wonderful Machines CEO, Bill Kramer. We're going to dive into what is this machine that he's built, who is the machine targeted at, and what's the future of Wonderful Machine. Bill, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going well, Frederick. How are you? I'm I'm excellent. I'm excellent. This is good. This I think this will be a great conversation um, because I think what and you'll reveal this, but I think what you are doing as a service to photographers fills a a void that I'm sure you're very very much aware of. And and so I'm going to let you do it. So you dive in. Tell us first of all. Tell us who Bill Kramer is. You know, obviously CEO of Wonderful Machine, but what does that entail on a day to day basis? Yeah. So, so first, who is Bill Kramer? Um, <laughs> so I, I, I graduated from uh, Penn State University in 1985, and, and I started my career as a photojournalist. Uh, I worked uh, as, as the sort of main photo stringer in Philadelphia for the, for the Associated Press for about four years uh, in the late 1980s. Uh, and then uh, altogether for about 12 years, I was a stringer in Philadelphia for the New York Times. Uh, and then along the way, I picked up lots of uh, other clients. I worked a lot for People Magazine, uh, and then and then my career sort of gradually shifted to magazine, and sort of away from photojournalism and towards magazine portraiture. So I did a lot of assignments for Forbes and Business Week, and a little bit for Time and Sports Illustrated. And uh, there are there are a million magazines you never heard of, like Bakery Magazine uh, uh, or uh, alumni magazines from hundreds of, of universities. Um, just all sorts of uh, publications, um, and then and then lots of corporate and institutional and advertising work mixed in. Uh, I did a lot of work for. Uh, Children's Hospital in Philadelphia and Drexel University and Comcast Corporation and Accenture Corporation um, and um, and a little bit of advertising thrown in. And so uh, so after about 20 years of doing that uh, photography, I I decided I wanted to create more of a company of photographers. Uh, In fact, every time I photographed an an accountant at an accounting firm or a doctor at a medical practice or or an attorney at a law firm, uh, it struck me that why why can't photographers come together and share facilities and share staff and share uh, marketing? Mm-hmm. and uh, and collaborate on on projects and um, and so I decided to put together a group of photographers and so so I put together a small group of photographers in Philadelphia um, and then out of that grew what we now have uh, as wonderful machine which is currently uh, we, we call it a production agency with a network of 600 photographers around the world so so our co- our company now has about 35 staff members. Uh, we we have 600 photographers in 40 countries. Um, those photographers pay us a monthly fee, and in exchange, we list them on our website and we promote them to about 25,000 publications, agencies, and brands. And so we have a team of of researchers who research uh, these these clients, and uh, we we make sure that we have all the most important. Uh, uh, clients out there who are using high quality commercial and editorial photography on a regular basis. And, uh, we let them know about our photographers 
And sometimes those clients will simply come to our website and find a photographer and then hire them directly. Uh, and other times they might come to us uh, for our production services. Uh, if they have an elaborate shoot that's either multiple shoots around the world uh, or even if it's just one shoot in one place, if it re requires a lot of production uh, like hairstylists and makeup artists and uh, transportation and catering and models and so forth, uh, we produce big photo shoots for advertising. And so... So from from a from a photographer standpoint, and this this sounds amazing, right? So it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. So it sounds like from a you know you and I you and I when we before we started recording this episode, we were talking about audience demographics and all that. And in that demographic breakdown, if there is a photographer that has sort of transitioned from the advanced amateur level and wants to transition into pro but isn't sure about how to market themselves and how to present and how to get the clients and all that stuff. Does Wonderful Machine kind of jump in to fill that kind of connective tissue so that photographer can then go on? Or is it more for the established professional photographers that are looking for you know another outlet for their services? Yeah, so, um, so good question. You know, we work with photographers of all levels. You know, pre, you know, primarily we're working with uh, with functioning professional photographers who are already doing uh, assignments for publications or agencies. Um, but we do work with uh, less experienced photographers to help them get to that point. Um, so, so initially we have we have a lot of articles on our blog. We have a, a blog called Intel. Uh, if you go to our website and go to the read tab, you can you can uh, read articles. We publish articles called expert advice and specialty and crew where a young or inexperienced photographer can come to our website and learn about uh, every aspect of the photography industry. Uh, and then we also have a team of consultants who can help uh, work with photographers one on one to coach them on their portfolio, to coach them on their marketing, to coach them on uh, how to identify clients uh, that might be appropriate for them and how to reach out to those clients. So we work with a lot of uh, younger photographers to help them get uh, get established in the business. That's great. That's great. So then, is the is the long term goal that this the partnership with the photographer will just basically extend on in perpetuity, or is it more like Wonderful Machine is the booster rocket to get you going, and then you go on and go establish your own network and all that? How, how are you seeing the positioning? I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I would like to think that no matter what stage uh, of, of somebody's career, it, whatever stage of your career you're in, uh, we have staff members that are sophisticated enough to take you to the next level, whatever that is. Uh, and if you're fully established and you're doing great and we have we have 600 photographers on our site and I, I think it's fair to say we've got uh, hundreds of photographers on our site who are solidly mid-career and very successful already. Uh, and they they are on our site because the, because we provide uh, sort of exposure to high quality clients that they need, even if they've been in business for 20 years, they, they continue to need exposure to high quality clients. So, so it's not like we sort of launch a photographer and then they go off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, uh, we feel like we can provide valuable service no matter what level of, of experience you have or how far into your career you are. And how, do, how does the, the screening process work? So in other words, is, is Wonderful Machine positioned as a 
kind of a SaaS, you know, as a as software as a service where it's just, you know, if you have the money, just pay us and we'll do all this stuff for you. Or is it more of a screening process where you curate the photographers that you allow in? And if so, what, what does that process look like? Sure. So, so our regular membership inquiry process, uh, we get about a dozen inquiries a week from photographers who want to join and want to be part of our network uh, and listed on our website. And so each Tuesday morning, in fact, uh, we had this this meeting this morning, uh, we review those those photographers and we decide uh, our photo editors and, and I uh, review each photographer's portfolio, which is primarily their website and, and secondarily their Instagram. And we decide whether this photographer would be a net gain for our for our network of photographers you know would this would adding this photographer make our network stronger or would it make it weaker mm -hmm. uh and what uh so what we're looking for is is uh, you know, simply high quality photography uh to a to a certain extent we're looking for photographers who already have experience shooting professional assignments uh and and we're looking for photographers uh, in all parts of the world doing all sorts of different specialties. So we categorize photographers in 41 different specialties. And so, and we want photographers all over the world because we have clients all over the world and, and we have, we have big clients, especially in the United States who need photographers all over the world. And so we want to provide as much, uh, geographic diversity and diversity by specialty and, uh, style as possible. Um, so that when any client comes to our website, we want them to be able to search by location or specialty and find solutions for their, for their visual problems. And so, uh, so we're looking at each of those photographers and saying, okay, can this photographer add something unique to our, uh, to our roster of photographers? So and if they do, and if they do, we invite them and, um, you know, more often than not, they join. Um, but and if we don't feel like they're they're quite right for us or quite ready for us, we will then offer them creative coaching uh, instead oh. of membership. OK, I was going to ask that. That was my next question. So if someone doesn't meet the criterion but are close, you do help them kind of ascend to the level where then you can then invite them into Wonderful Machine. Yeah, we have uh, we have about 20 uh, consultants uh, on our team. Uh, who are specialists in photo editing and marketing and estimating and production and search engine optimization. Um, and, and we can work with uh, young photographers to help them understand what they need to do to make progress in their career. Um, and it's not necessarily uh, to, to become a wonderful machine photographer, although that would be great uh, someday. Uh, but, but mostly uh, we want to help photographers thrive in their careers uh, and no matter what stage of their career they're in, we want to help them take that next step. Love that. Love that. What a great service. So how does how does money work? Right. So in terms of the the photographer getting paid now, obviously, you know, this is the 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 income or revenue from a particular job is going to vary widely. But from the from the breakdown of who gets what between the photographer and wonderful machine, there's a monthly fee. And then is there a per project fee? How does all that work? Sure. So, uh, so for most of our member photographers, they're simply paying a monthly fee. And then if a client finds them on our site, they can, they can work directly with a client and they don't owe us any commission or any other fees. So, so the typical fee for an American photographer is somewhere between $160 and $240 a month. 
Um, and, uh, and if, if you're in Canada, you pay half price. And if you're in a rich part of, of, uh, outside North America, you pay a quarter. And if you're in a poor country around the world, you'll, you'll pay one eighth of, of our, of our list price. And the reason we, we tier it that way is because, uh, because we have, uh, we have clients with all sorts of needs. And if you're in South Africa, for example, where the dollar is, uh, the, the conversion rate is not very favorable for, for South Africans or even Australia, where the conversion rate is not that great. Uh, and even more so if you're in parts of Africa where, uh, where the economies are just not as strong as the United States. We want to have people in all those different places, uh, but, but those photographers would not be able to afford sort of the list price uh, for American photographers. So we offer a discount for those uh, more remote locations around the world. And, um, and so, so if, so if, if a photographer is paying that monthly rate, uh, they're going to appear on the website and, and the assignments that come to them are theirs. There are times when a photographer will get an inquiry from a client and they might not know how to quote on the job and they can hire us to help them put together an estimate. And for that, they would simply pay an hourly fee for our, for our producers to work with them. Uh, and it's, and it's usually $150 an hour to do an estimate. Uh, or if you're a member photographer, you get a 20% discount. So it would be $120 an hour. And, and that's, then, a, that's and, a flat fee. That's not $120 an hour. And then if it's, if they're bidding a hundred thousand dollar job, there's no percentage off of that invoice. It's right, just that. Right. Fee. There's, yeah. There's no percentage on that. Okay. However, there are times, there are times when a, a client will hire us to produce a photo shoot. And in those cases, we're going to be charging a production fee for the, to the client. And so, uh, so likewise, in most cases with photographers, they're not paying a commission to us. Uh, they're either paying a flat rate for the estimate or, and or a flat rate for, for to, be, to appear on our website. Um, and if we're working on behalf of the client, uh, we're charging the client a production fee rather than a commission to the photographer. Wonderful. Yeah, and that, that's a perfect segue into the, the other half of this picture, right? So we've been talking about it from the photographer, the different levels of photographer that may come into Wonderful Machine, and then also the pricing based on local economy, and that all makes brilliant sense. What about the other direction? So now I'm a brand, and I need... I need to hire a photographer. Let's say let's let's lean into the pricing. I'm a brand and I happen to be in Sydney, you know, let's say Sydney, right? Or some or even a a, a country or or a town in another country that is not as rich as Sydney. So how does that work from a brand perspective being a small a business or medium-sized business that needs original photography, not stock? What do I do next? How do I get in touch? And then what does the ingest or onboarding process look like? Yeah. So, so any, any company in the world can just call us up or send us an email. We have, uh, we have uh, several producers on our team who work directly with clients to put together cost estimates for projects. So if, if you were uh, working with a, uh, an agency or a brand and you had a project and you were looking for a photographer and or production support, uh, you would just get in touch with us and we would have a conversation about it. And, uh, and, and you know, to your point about, you know, what if it's a, a, a company that is uh, in Zurich or a company that's in Zimbabwe, you know, the, the value of that project uh, might be different. Uh, I think just just like with any photographer, uh, when you have different clients with different needs, 
it's it's primarily about the usage. Uh, you know, the value of commercial photography is less about who the customer is and more about how they're going to use the pictures. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a if you've got a company, uh, if you've got a big company, they're going to be uh, getting great, more value of, from the pictures than from a small company. So it's not so much that you're going to charge the, the small company less money because they're small. You're going to charge them less because they're going to they're going to be realizing less value uh, from the from those photographs. And, and does that does that safeguard against the other way around where you have Microsoft, you know, wanting to save a couple of dollars on a photo shoot? So they decide, let's use a photographer out of Botswana because it only costs this much. How do you how do you mitigate or manage that? Um, so so we are everything we do is fair market value. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, if you're in business and you've got a, a buyer and a seller, uh, you know, the buyer has certain expectations about quality and price and the seller has certain expectations about quality and price. Um, if if we are if we are negotiating uh, with a client uh, for to, to work on a project for them, we're going to look at every aspect of the project. We're going to look at who is the client, uh, who is the photographer they want to work with. What are the product? What's what kind of production production values are they looking for? Mm-hmm. Um what is the usage like is it an advertising job and they're going to use the pictures on billboards or on on uh, broadcast television or on the internet uh you know there there are many different factors that uh that will ultimately depend determine the value of that project um and 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 um and that's that's what fair market value is um so it's not like we're sort of um uh you know uh um it's not about sort of how much can the, you know, the pricing is not so much a function of, well, how much can they afford to, to pay? Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about um, sort of understanding all the intricacies of the project and, and pricing it appropriately. Cause if, cause, cause we are bound by our competitors, right? So, so there's no shortage of other photographers who want to work on that project. And so, so since we've been, bidding on projects. Uh, Wonderful Machine has been bidding on projects for 15 years, and I was personally bidding on projects for 20 years before that. Uh, you know, we as a company um, have a very uh, keen awareness on what what is the fair market value for any given project. And so, so we just want to, you know, whether we're advising a photographer on what to charge or whether we're actually building an estimate for a client, uh, we're simply looking at all the factors and and putting together a price that we feel is competitive, uh, where we are, uh, where the the pricing is is commensurate for the level of quality and expertise that they're looking for, and the licensing uh, required of the job, um, and who the client is, um, and so. But but it is fair to say that you know if you have a smaller client, the price is going to tend to be smaller, and if it's a bigger client, it's going to be tend to be bigger. Um, and, uh, and, and if they are in a third world country, the, the price is going to tend to be a little less. And if they're in Zurich or London, the price is going to tend to be a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It seems when you explain it, I can see that it's not, it's, it's not black and white, right? So it's not, okay, these are the prices for this country. These are the prices for that country. You go in and you, yeah, it's a, yeah, I mean, for, it's a formula. For, <laughs> yeah. For our photographers, we have to have a formula because, because it's not, um, 
uh, you know, like like some of the photo shoots. I mean, we just we just produced a photo shoot in New York, uh, and the and the price tag was up over over five hundred thousand dollars. Wow! And so so for a project like that, you're going to go to great pains to make sure that uh, that everything is just so. Um, and, uh, but if you're, you know, for us, when we've got photographers that we're listing on the site, we can just put them into these four simple buckets, you know, whether they're U S or Canada or a rich country or poor country. Uh, we don't, we don't need to split hairs beyond that. Yeah. That's so cool. That is so cool. So then how does it work? Where do you draw the line, um, at, at, at the level of service that you'll provide? What I mean by that is, uh, is it, is it strictly photography based jobs or are you bidding out larger or different multimedia level jobs where maybe it's it's a commercial, a full on commercial where they need still photography for magazine and outdoor. They need video clips for Instagram. They maybe want to produce a short television commercial for broadcast. Do you does does Wonderful Machine help with all of that or do you draw the line at photographic services so so we uh, most of our projects involve some sort of video now um uh, you know not only are clients demanding it but photographers are capable of doing it um and there are times when depending on the level of the uh, needs of the project and depending on the skills of the photographer sometimes we'll bring in uh, a director to work alongside the photographer uh, or at least a dp or camera operator um and um, so, so again, every project is custom um, and, and we figure out what's the best solution for this particular project. Uh, like, you know, we've got we've got some photographers like Stuart Cohen uh, in Dallas is is, uh, you know, full on uh, uh, TV commercial director. So so he's he's the kind of guy who you can hire and he can do anything under the sun, whether it's stills or, or video or. Uh, or broadcast TV commercials or a combination of all that. Uh, but we've got other people who are less uh, experienced with video and we might have to partner them with, with somebody to help out uh, at least, at least running the camera and, and knowing all the equipment to bring. So, but we, but our producers ex are experienced with uh, uh, video as well as stills. If we were doing uh, a, a full on broadcast television spot, uh, we would probably partner, you know, we have a number of uh, production companies that we partner with uh, to make sure that that the client's getting the level of quality, quality that they need. But we, uh, we, 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 we produce a lot of uh, video for for internet and uh, general use. That's, 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 so that that brings up the question of where who's who's paying whom. So with in the in the case of the photographer, or in other words, if I'm the photographer, does the check that I get at the end of the at the end of the job say "Wonderful Machine" on it, or does it say "Acme Incorporated"? You know, who who's who's paying whom in that scenario? Yeah. So, so if if a client, if an, an if an agency or brand comes to us and uh, with a project, and we agree to do the project for that client. It's going to be up to us to, to hire all the crew and to hire the photographer and to negotiate with all those people and to pay all those people. So mm -hmm. so we would be collecting in most cases, we would get an advance from the agency or the brand. So we would pay out to a certain extent advances to the photographer and crew. And then we would after the job wraps, we would we would invoice the client, uh, get payment and then pay out the photographer and crew. But there are other times when a photographer might hire us. Instead of us hiring the photographer, the photographer might hire us. 
to produce the, the job. And in those cases, uh, the photographer would usually bill the client and then pay us rather than us bill the client and, and us pay them. So it, it really, again, we're, we, we, every single job that we do uh, where we're involved in the production is a custom project that depending on the circumstances, who the photographer is, who the client is, uh, what the needs are, where it's happening geographically, we will figure out what's the best solution so that the photographer is happy and the client is happy and wonderful machine is happy. And we just, uh, we just figure out what's, what's the best solution overall and then, and then execute on that. So it can happen, uh, any of a number of different ways. And then logistics wise or internal wise that wonderful machine there, is there a single point of contact that, that liaises between the photographer and the brand or does it is, is, you know, do you just hand off communication to the photographer and the brand? How does that, the, the communication so and overall project management piece work? Sure. So we've got, um, we've got two main producers, uh, a guy named Craig Oppenheimer, who's been with us for about 10 years, uh, and Brian Sheffield, uh, who's been with us for uh, about two and a half years now. And so, so they manage all, the, all of the production projects that we do. We also have collaborations with uh, other producers around the world. Uh, Brian and Craig and I are all in the Philadelphia area. And, um, and so, so on any particular project, there's going to one, be one lead producer who is going to be the point person for the, for the agency and for the client and for the photographer and or videographers and directors and crew. And so everything is going to go through that one person. So, so all the crew, all the clients, um, uh, the photographers, everybody is going to be interacting with that person on a regular basis throughout the entire life cycle of the project. And, uh, and, and, and we do have, uh, uh, there are times when, when Brian and Craig will sort of tag team on a project, um, so that, uh, when, when they need the bandwidth, uh, or, you know, cause they can't be in more than one place at a time. You know, there are times when they sort of collaborate on projects, but, but there's always one main, uh, producer on any given project. Love it. Love it. So, so I guess to, to wrap up at the end, I want to kind of get to where, where wonderful machine is going or where you see the company in five to 10 years from now. Uh, but before that, just a quick question, since I have you on the hot seat, um, and you're kind of sitting at the nexus of creative work and agencies and photographers and, and different styles of photographers, have you seen any, any patterns in the chaos in terms of directions in the industry either creatively or you know are things like on the technology side or things are you seeing more mobile you know usage what do you what do you see from your vantage point of kind of a, the zeitgeist of of this space sure so you know we've seen a lot of trends over the years um you know the biggest trend in the last you know five to ten years has of course been the advent of social media and how uh, how, uh, all sorts of brands are spending a lot more money on social media and, um, uh, and perhaps a little bit less on sort of big conventional advertising. So, uh, and then, and then going hand in hand, hand with that stylistically is what we would call brand narrative photography. So you'll, you know, we've just been seeing more and more sort of naturalistic photography, almost sort of like photography that looks like photojournalism, but is is uh, very highly, you know, very uh, thoughtfully styled and uh, 
you know, has great production value. Everything is done on purpose. It's not, hmm. uh, it's not spontaneous, even though it might look spontaneous, but it's, uh, but brand narrative, narrative photography is, is lifestyle photography, but telling the story of a particular brand, either, either, um, a story of, of how the consumer uses that product or service, uh, or, uh, or a story about how that product or service uh, is, you know, how that product is made. Uh, like we did a project uh, for New Balance, uh, where we photographed New, New Balance shoes uh, being manufactured, uh, and then there are endless projects uh, involving brand narrative photography to tell the story of just about any uh, product or a service you can imagine. Um, so that's so. So those are the, the main ones in terms of technology. Certainly, drones in the last five years have. Uh, have really transformed uh, a lot of the portfolios that we see and a lot of the work that uh, clients use in general. Um, uh, I, you know, it's just it's just a, a vantage point that we that, that we haven't been able to utilize except with helicopters, which make mm -hmm. it um, expensive and uh, sometimes impossible. So drones have been really fun. It's been just really fun to see how that has um, uh how, how, how inventively photographers and videographers have used drones to make pictures uh, of all kinds. Um, yeah. So th those are the, the main things recently for me. Yeah, yeah. The drones are the the, the tallest tripods in the world is what they are, right? For the and still also, photographer. And also stylistically, like along with this, um, along with digital photography in general, like uh, if you look back 20 years ago, you know, you would see a lot of, um, uh, sort of very obvious lighting, uh, you know, artificial lighting in pictures. Um, and, 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 you know, now, now you, you still see that somewhat, but you're seeing photographers, uh, using led lights, uh, to just supplement existing light and sort of seamlessly, um, uh, you know, adding, you know, augmenting the existing light and, and with digital, you can shoot in such low light, uh, that it's, I think it's really, um, opened up a lot of creative opportunities for photographers to work really um, um, with very little equipment and uh, and to to work in all sorts of lighting situations that they weren't able to work in uh, back back when um, you know you had to lug around heavy strobes and when you needed to uh, to have enough light to uh, for uh, Kodachrome sixty four or you know Fujichrome one hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the days when you when you were in your in your photojournalism mode. What uh, what were you shooting with primarily? What was your what was in your go bag back then? Um, you mean like cameras wise? Yeah, cameras, or cameras film? and lenses. You had to, like the well, normal trifecta of lenses yes. and. Well, so so when I when I started out uh, at the AP, I was using uh, Nikon FM twos and and Nikon F threes. Yeah, and too. you know, as a as a sports photographer for the AP, of course, I had a Nikon three hundred two eight, uh, which you know allowed you to shoot baseball and football and hockey and um, uh, and and just about any other any other and, and of course basketball and every other professional sport. Um, and then uh, and then and then when um, and then there was a point where I switched to Canon uh, because I just liked their. Uh, I don't know, whatever, maybe it was like around the mid nineties, I switched over to Canon, uh, just cause I liked their cameras better. But, yeah. um, and then I used Dynalite strobes and then more recently Profoto strobes. 
Excellent. Excellent. So what's next? What's next for Wonderful Machine? What what and you're assuming that there is a grand plan that stretches out for the next hundred years. What's the next five to ten years look like on that plan? Um, so the thing that we're most immediately in the middle of is just moving more and more towards video. Mm -hmm. And so uh, so that's just a matter of sort of us gaining experience and uh, building client relationships and building relationships with uh, photographers who are doing more and more video and, and getting into directing. So that's just going to be sort of an evolutionary process. Um, it's funny because when when the the Canon um, uh, 5D uh, came out, I don't know if you're old enough to remember when the Canon 5D came out. Oh, but yes, it, I, I'm very familiar. I remember that, that, that was that was in Vincent LaFerre days, right? When he was yeah. he was kind of a pioneer with that 5D. Yeah, so that was sort of a game changer for a lot of photographers to be able to shoot high def video uh, with a regular, you know, digital camera. And and at that time, I thought, geez, five years from now, every photographer is going to shoot video. Um, but that that has not turned out to be true. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say in round numbers, about a third of our photographers are are very comfortable shooting video and very adept at it. Um, and and a third are not interested in it at all. And, and about a third are sort of dabbling or in transition towards video. Um, but, uh, but, but, but the way we see it, uh, more and more of the projects that we're involved in as producers, uh, involve video. And so, so that's the main, uh, the main trajectory that we're on. Um, but in, in addition to that, um, uh, we are, uh, starting to work with photographers in a more conventional way as agents. Um, I recently, uh, started working with a, a very talented advertising photographer in Los Angeles, um, and, uh, you know, we're working instead of our traditional wonderful machine business model of, uh, of paying a subscription fee, uh, to be listed on the site. Uh, we're going to be working with him more closely to, to promote him and to do estimates for him and shoot production for him. And, uh, and so that's an area that, that, that in which we might be growing. Um, and then, uh, and then I'm also working on sort of a side project that at the moment is, is sort of a personal project of mine. Uh, but, uh, but I'm hopeful that it could become a business. Um, I've got a website called commonhistory.org, uh, which would allow, it's still in development, but it'll, it'll allow any individual or organization to create and share and discover timelines of historic photos. So this could be of use to professional photographers who have an archive of, of historic content, you know, photo, photojournalists, uh, or it could be uh, for uh, museums or uh, historical societies um, or uh, libraries, anybody, or even corporations, uh, any organization that has a historic photo archive uh, to be able to share their content um, in a, in a space where other people are doing the same thing and, uh, and in a way that that content is searchable, uh, and, and, and license licensable as well. Uh, cause there just is, is sort of a void, uh, for, for picture buyers, for, for professional picture buyers who are looking for historic content. Uh, there are not a lot of places to go. And, um, and so, uh, so I'm, it's, it's, it's a personal interest of mine and uh we're going to see if we can build a business around it now when you say when you say historical content are we talking photographs or multimedia no, it's all, like all 
So initially it's, it's still photographs, but it'll mm -hmm. eventually be video as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I would presume audio, right? So historical. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. This is, there's been a, uh, I feel like the more we talk, the more questions that I have, <laughs> right? It's a fascinating business model and it's, it, it feels like, uh, it feels like a business model that is one of those models that is mutually beneficial on all sides, whether it's your company, the photographer from corners of the globe unknown, and also making simplifying things for the client on the client side of things. So, so congratulations. Are you, is the business today, uh, as we record this in October, October 5th of 2021, is it where you wanted it to be five years ago? Well, COVID uh, has not been kind to us uh you know we've we've had a lot of a lot of our photographers have struggled uh especially in the first year of covid uh, a lot mm -hmm. of them are now uh now coming out of it and i and i feel like things are starting to get back to normal um but um but 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 overall i mean i i really never intended to create this company uh when we first started the company it was more of a cooperative of photographers just in philadelphia uh, and I and I was somewhat resistant to, to opening it up to photographers outside of Philadelphia, um, and so so I feel very fortunate that it that it's worked out. Um, I'm I'm pleased with the way we've grown, and um, and I'm uh, I'm I'm still eager to 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 see what we can do to evolve over time. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy with the way it's worked out. Awesome. All right, Bill Kramer, we'll leave it right there. Wonderful machine. Congratulations, you guys, you and, and your photographers are welcome on This Week in Photo anytime. So I feel like we'll, we'll be talking more in the future about different things. Yeah, yeah, anytime, Frederick, it was a pleasure. This is Twitter.